looking to some other object of faith for your growth or your deliverance other than the death of Jesus. We point out at what's false and what makes those other cults and false religions false, but then when we start teaching what we need to grow or to be delivered from the, the bondages of the very sin nature that's dominating God's people, we, we start pointing to what we need to do to, deliver, to be delivered. And, and, and while we're pointing out what, what's false in the false religions, what makes them false, it, then we fall prey to the being false our own selves because we're not pointing to the cross for our deliverance and our growth and our maturity. So you have to be careful that just because you're listening to ministers point out what makes false religions false, they could be telling you that which is false, and that's why you're not growing. You're not being delivered. How long have you been sitting and listening to some preacher? How many years have you sat there in the same bondage that you've just grown accustomed to and that you're learning to just allow the chains of your bondage to try to become comfortable to you, but they'll never be comfortable, and you know you should be delivered. You want to be delivered, but you're not hearing what will deliver you. That's, that's why people are leaving these denominational, traditional works of men. That's why they're getting up and getting out of there, my friend, because the message of the cross is not preeminent there. It is not the message of God's only answer for all things that's taking place there. And until you get to that point, you're going to stay in your chains and you're just going to try to make them more comfortable, but they'll never get comfortable. They will never get comfortable. These are people in these churches who are spots. Let's read this in verse 12 of Jude chapter 1. These are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Here it comes, just what Peter wrote. Clouds they are without water. Clouds without water. Carried about of winds, these winds of doctrine. Every doctrine, doctrine other than that form of doctrine that made you sound in Christ Jesus, free from sin and made you a servant of righteousness. All these winds of other doctrines that will not free you, will not empower you, no other doctrine than that form of doctrine that saved you can empower you for the work of the ministry to be the father, the husband, the hu the wife, the, the mother, the, the employer, the employee, anything that you have put your hands to, you will never know how to live for God in the midst of all of that until you're willing to recognize these clouds uh, that are like wind. They're carried, they themselves are carried about uh, of winds, all these other winds of doctrine. They're, look, it says here in Jude, they're trees whose fruit have withered. They have been planted, they have had fruit, but their fruit has withered. Not only that, but without fruit now, they had fruit, but it's withered. They're now without fruit, 
twice dead. That's very important. We were dead at one time in sins and trespasses. We were born again. We were planted in Christ, branches in Christ, but have now allowed our fruit to wither. Now twice they dead again, plucked up by the roots, plucked up by the roots, from the roots. Get this now. This is very important because these very things are being taught by ministers that cannot happen in the true church. No, these things were written to the true church because these things are happening to people who are in the true church who once walked in the truth, had fruit, but now it's withered. Let's keep reading in Second Peter where we are and we'll see why. We will see why right here and how this happens. Watch now in verse 17, these are whales without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, vanity, that which is vain, the word vanity here means empty. Words that are empty are words that are not pointing you to Calvary, where the power of God flows from, where God is at work in you. God is working death, the death of Jesus into you for Jesus' sake, that his life might be manifest through you. These men are speaking great and swelling words that are empty. They allure us through the lust of our own flesh, they draw us. Look, I'll never be able to blame them at the judgment. Whether it be the judgment seat of Christ and I was distracted and, and, and didn't live right. And, and, and I'll never be able to blame the false prophets. I'll never be able to blame those that knew the way, walked in the way, and yet forsook the way. Because James said, it's always us who are drawn away through the lust of our own flesh. Those even at the great white throne judgment, not they might do finger pointing and they might proclaim all that they did, but it's you're not God doesn't allow the blame game. Go back and read when man first sinned and what he first did. He be, he be, all he could do was blame somebody. The woman that you gave me caused this. Then the woman said, the snake. And, and so there is no, we are, there are millions of false prophets today. Hear me again. Millions within the walls of true churches who are there attempting with great swelling and empty vain words to distract from the very thing they've been distracted from. Watch. For when they speak great swelling words, notice they have a place in these churches to speak. They're not just viewers. They're not just pew warmers. They have a, a place to speak. These are speakers that are being heard. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of my flesh. Through much wantonness, that word means licentiousness. Let's look it up together this morning. I hope you would. It means 
filthy lasciviousness, unbridled lust, just lust, lust of the flesh. Listen, the flesh wants nothing to do with the cross of Christ. And when men, ministers, come along and speak these great swelling words that entice the lust that our flesh always has and will always have, you will not escape the lust of the flesh until you're with Jesus. But the promise is if you will learn what it means to walk in the Spirit and you will choose to walk in the Spirit, meaning trusting in the death of Jesus alone, then the lust of the flesh will not be fulfilled. Galatians chapter 5. They're not going away. They just can be prevented if the cross comes in between their lust and they're being carried out, then they won't be carried out. But it's only the power of the cross and your knowledge of and your uh, determination to maintain the exercising of your faith in the death of Jesus and your death with him that will prevent the lust of the flesh from following these men with great swelling words. They're great swelling words, but they only swell up our lusting flesh. And they're only spoken from a swole-up lump of flesh. Get that now. And this is everything that's pointing you away from the cross. God forbid people visit our churches in these last days and be able to leave and say, well, see there, you don't have to always preach the cross. I've heard that over the last several years. People visiting places and saying, and following certain ministries and then leaving say, see there, I told you you didn't have to preach the cross all the time. Well, if they weren't pointing to Calvary, those were great swelling words because without the focus of the cross, all that can happen is our fleshly lust are given a place to swell up and something else to follow. That's all there is. It's either the way of the cross or the way of swole up flesh going after its own fulfillments. And that's really the only two ways there are. Serving the sin nature that allows the flesh to be swole up and get what it wants or keeping it stifled by bringing the truth of Calvary in and by serving obedience unto righteousness. Romans 6.16, there's not a third avenue, there's two. And we get to choose which way we'll go, hallelujah. So watch this now. They, they speak great swelling words of vanity. They allure through the lust of our own flesh, through much lasciviousness, wantonness, unbridled lust. Those that were clean, those that were indeed escaped from them who live in error, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. If you're being promised and offered liberty without it being the work of the death of Jesus on Calvary's cross, you're, you're, you're being offered liberty that will never happen. That's how these people sit in these churches all their life. And just they, they just begin to accept it that failure is a reality. That failure has to be there. Failure. And make no mistake about it, we're going to fail. But the cross 
And the focus of Jesus and what he did at Calvary in our union there, what he did in death for us and to us, will remove the thought of failure and bring in the truth of I can live for God. I've been given everything I need. I can walk in righteousness. I can live in victory. Hallelujah. I can experience what it means to be an overcomer. Though I'll never obtain uh, attain to perfection, I can be in its work. You remember what Paul asked the deceived and led astray church in Galatia, who's bewitched you? That you now no longer obey the truth before whose very eyes it was evident that Christ was crucified. Did you receive the Spirit of God by the works of the law, meaning what you did, or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish to believe that now you can go on unto perfection by works of the law? Or don't you know that it, it's not going to happen unless you continue in the hearing of faith that's tied to Jesus Christ and him crucified? Think about that. That's what all these churches that God is raising up in these last few moments, this last few little portion of a vapor, man, the, the end of this age, is it's like coming to a funnel and it's, it's just with intensity coming to, about to enter into something totally new. And these cross-preaching, cross-focused churches are, I believe, the greatest move of God in the entirety age of the church. We, we're just now learning that even in the 1800s and the early 1900s, we're finding books that are written by uh, Watchman Nee and Gordon Watt and F.J. Hugel and others out there. This truth has been out there. But it's not been offered at a scale that it is that churches being planted and ministers who know they don't need some theological uh, diploma. That they just need the spirit of God and the truth of Calvary, the power of the cross, uh, uh, the, 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 the fullness of the Holy Spirit to carry this message all over the world, hallelujah, and these churches that are being planted now with these ministers who are determined to know nothing else but Christ and Him crucified, though they're being laughed at and mocked and all sorts of terminology is being used as great swelling words to get your minds to look away from what God is offering through these ministries and these ministries that are, that are learning to, as Paul had to learn to, to become more and more determined not to allow anything in the midst or to stand in the place where they can speak anything other than God's word in the context of Christ, the living word. 
of God and what he did as the Lamb of God on the tree of Calvary. Hallelujah. This is the greatest move of God the church age has ever known. So those of you who are involved in this, uh, don't be distracted and, and discouraged by those who will have no part of it. Wherever the strongest move of God has ever been, it's been opposed greatly by those who claim to be in other things that they claim God is in. God, listen, they Israel killed the prophets that Jesus said wrote about him because they were always calling God's people back to the, their attention, back to the sacrifice, back to the place God said, I will meet with you here and I will commune with you here. And when they left that, they could not commune with him and they could not meet with him. This, let me say it again before we move on. This is the greatest move of God right now that's existed in the church age where we know about Pentecost. We know about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. We know that it takes the Holy Spirit now to live this crucified life. When you when you first come to the truth of Calvary and you're born again, it leads you straight to Pentecost and you're filled with the Spirit of God. You have the Holy Spirit and then your next location is back to Calvary where he delivers you always to so that the power of Pentecost will not be in vain because the power of Pentecost is the preaching of the cross. That's what you see preached all throughout the book of Acts. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And in a great and powerful way in that day because they were preaching literally the death of Jesus to the very ones who put him to death. Think about that. Glory be to God. But it's really not much different today because it was our sin, that old sin nature, our old sin man, that put him to death just as well. So think about that. So watch this now. Uh, while they promised them liberty, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption because of whom a man is overcome of the same as he brought in bondage, in the same as he brought into bondage. If you're overcome by something, you're in bondage to it. As Romans 6, 16 says, let's go back and read that verse. The Lord really has lately been bringing this scripture back to a great focus to me uh, on the table spread before me that he offers me and shows me everything he shows me through the flesh and the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want you to see this very powerfully. I pray that God would show it to you in a greater light today. Don't you know, Romans 6, 16, know you not that to whom you yield, to whom? This is some, not what, to who? You yield yourself servants, servants, that word means slaves, to obey his servants, his slaves you are, to whom you obey, to whom you obey. Not what, to whom 
Not what, to whom you obey. Whether it's of sin, it's a whom. The sin nature. Unto death, and for that, that's as Christians, if we look away from Calvary and we start listening to these great swelling words that entice the lust of our flesh and we begin trusting in anything other than the death of Jesus, Paul says in Romans 7, 9, that the sin, this person, the sin nature revives and we die. See, a Christian can be dead in a bad way. Colossians 3 and 3 says you're dead and hidden with Christ in God. But the church of Sardis, Revelations chapter 3 verse 1, is told by Jesus through John the Revelator, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. Why were they dead? Because they were now walking in an unfruitful place. And that's why the letter goes to them so that they can awaken and repent and come back to the place, listen, where they're told to come back to, the place they received and heard. The cross. That's where you heard. That's where you received. Not just initially, but if you're still hearing and you're still receiving, it's only through that hearing of faith. Or you're listening to someone with great swelling words that's appeasing our lustful flesh to get us to start trusting in something other than one exclusive truth of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And when we do, we're serving a person, the old man, the sin nature, unto death, the unfruitful place. Or, don't you know, the other avenue for us to choose is if we'll serve obedience unto righteousness, which is what this very chapter told us that form of doctrine freed us from sin and made us servants of this avenue, obedience unto righteousness. There's not but two avenues. Every moment of our life, there's only two choices. These, these ones who come along and speak these great swelling words are there only to entice our fleshly lust. Again, that are there. They are there waiting to be enticed by something other than the cross. See, the message of the cross keeps the lust of our flesh dormant where they can't dominate us and bring us into the, to their very bondage. Do you understand that? The message of the cross, the truth, my heart yielded to Jesus' death and my death with him. I'm dead and hidden with him. I've been crucified with him. I am crucified with him. That's the only thing that can come in between these, these lustful flesh not accepting these great swelling words and the flesh being denied and Christ being magnified. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to What a mystery. What a great truth this is. Hallelujah. Watch this now. In verse 19, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. I was there for years. I was there for years in ministry. 
I've told the story a thousand times. Let me tell it again this morning. A certain man and a woman, and this was just one that I remember, but this was, this was my answer for everything as it is hundreds of thousands, if not a few million of ministers today. This man, this woman came walking down the aisle in church many, many years ago before I knew God only had one answer. And they were beaten down by the world, their flesh, and the devil. And it was obvious by the look about them. And I cried real tears with them because it was obvious they needed deliverance. They needed deliverance. So when they told me if they didn't find deliverance and escape from this way of life, this way of destruction, that they weren't going to make it much longer. And with real tears flowing down my face, I said, well, if you'd get in church every week, if you'd study the word of God and give to God, give to the work of God, and all those things should be a part of the Christian's life. But none of those things can save or deliver. And if you hear anybody speak otherwise, contrary to this truth, it's only with great swelling words they're using to swell your flesh up to make you think that if you got in church every week and if you gave money to the church and if you started reading and studying the word every day, that in those things you could deliver yourself, your flesh would be pumped up. But eventually your flesh would realize well, your flesh always going to try to make you think it's working, but you, you, who you are as a child of God, you know it's not working. I lied to those people. I put laws of doing something in front of those people. And just as the Galatians were told, did we receive the Spirit by what we did or by the hearing of faith? Are miracles worked among us by what we do or by the hearing of faith. If it's not the hearing of faith, it's not going to be the Spirit of God. Oh, if we could only believe that today as the church. And the hearing of faith is always tied to the hearing of what Jesus did in his flesh on the cross by grace through his faith. That's right. The hearing of faith that brings the faith that comes when we hear the word has to come through that. Or it's not faith that comes through righteousness. Peter wrote to us here in the, the, first, chap, the first chapter of the second letter. Listen carefully. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. See, faith, the church don't know this. And many would buck this today, but it's their own flesh bucking this. Faith can't even come by hearing the word if it doesn't come through righteousness. That's not a scripture for the initial entrance and then that's it. Faith can't ever come unless it comes through the righteousness of God. Remember, the fruit of faith is always the righteousness of faith. Unless it comes through righteousness and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, meaning the work of righteousness he carried out on Calvary's cross, then the word 
is not going to be engrafted in an experiential way into my heart. Somebody heard that today. Hallelujah to the Lamb. So we see here back in 2 Peter 2, they promise liberty while they themselves are servants of corruption. Now they don't know this. They don't know that they're preaching corruption because they're bound in corruption because they really believe, as I did once, that they're trying to help God's people, but either, listen to me carefully, either they don't know because they've not heard or they have heard and they've opted out of what the Bible says is the only way to be delivered from corruption, which is the way of the cross. Watch. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption because of whom a man is overcome of the same as he brought into bondage. Let's keep reading this morning. We're not going to finish because the very last three verses of this chapter is quite revealing. But we will move on into it a little bit today. Watch, watch very carefully. And I hope you do have a King James Version or a New American Standard Bible Version because if you don't, there's no telling what you're going to read. A, a lot of these translations will make your flesh swell up because they're not near close enough to a word-for-word -word translation. You've got to be careful which translations you're reading. Watch this translation called the King James Version. And I'm not saying you have to have this version, but there are other translations that twist things around that remove the focus of Calvary's Christ. Even some that remove things from the Bible. And who is man to come along and to take away from God's word. Even with great swelling words they use in why they do it. Verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Stop right there. If you're going to listen to a man come in with great swelling words to try to tell you that these people written about here were are only lost people in the midst of the saved church, my friend, you're missing out on a boatload of revelation if you're taking men's words that only can swell up the flesh. There are people who feel the church right now who are speaking in this manner we're reading about. They feel the church. They're everywhere. There are entire seminaries now where these things are taught. Only great swelling words. They talk about Christ. They talk about the cross. Because the devil knows he has to use that lingo. But to point to that as God's only provision to enter and to experience his kingdom in power. You're never going to hear these people talking about that. And you're also going to see pulpits opened to great swelling words that are allowed to come in to distract, to offer the very corruption that at other times we're preaching against. You see, God is looking for a determined 
ministry. He's looking for determined ministries. He's looking for determined Christians. Not to preach a determination over here and then open a place for voices to speak something other than what that determination of God offers. That's, a, that, that's, that's not God's will. No matter what the great swelling, vain, empty words are that make excuses when that is happening, it's never God's will. Any excuse made for it is made by great swelling words that are vain and empty and cannot and will not be heard by those who are learning to recognize where this is going on. And again, let me say it today, that's why God is moving people out of these boastful places in these denominational, these, these things that men boast of, these things that men are holding on to so tightly, which causes their hands and their hearts not to be empty enough to be filled with more of this truth, if any at all. I want you to think about that. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. We're going to stop right here, and I'm going to highlight this area right here so that this coming Friday morning, we can take off right here again and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what we need to see so that our shield of faith can be where it needs to be so that every fiery dart from the wicked one will melt away and fall to the ground in these days ahead. God bless you. It's been a great joy to gather around his wonderful word again this morning. I pray that he's been able to impart the truth to, to stir you and to give you a greater discernment than you've ever had before, to help you see things you've never seen before, or maybe to help you see in a greater light the things you already are walking in. He is a good God that we serve, but we're living in the greatest time of deception that there's ever been, where men are calling good evil and evil good like never before. But those who have eyes to see, which are those who look through the blood, are going to be able to endure to the end to be saved. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I love you. I pray that God's touch even in this very moment and this day, be upon you body, soul, and spirit. He knows your needs. Ask him. Ask him for whatever it is you need. I pray that you find his touch upon your heart and all that pertains to you today. And I pray that you would seek the Lord concerning all that you've heard today. If the Lord stirs your heart to give an offering to him through this ministry, and that's always between you and him. You can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. 
God bless you. I do love you. I pray that you'd stand with us all the way to the finish line. Until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and him crucified. We'll see you then.